Thank you guys. What a morning of worship we've had already and just praise the Lord for it, for his presence here. That's what we prayed for on Wednesday night, wasn't it? For those who were in our Bible study on Wednesday, we prayed specifically for this day, uh, for the presence of God to to win the day and uh, for us to, for him to even hide us so that he could have uh, glory. And so I think he's done that this morning. Glad you're here today. If you are a first time guest with us, I have gotten the chance and the honor to meet so many of you, uh, and I'm sure that I may have missed some. Uh, if I did, I'd love to say hi to you after the worship service today, and if you would think about it, guys, uh, take a uh, Connect card. You'll see these on the seat in front of you, and fill that out and drop it in the offering basket for us. We're not going to harass you. We just want to know that you are here and, and say thanks for being with us on this good morning, and you do honor us by being here today. We love you uh, and are glad for the opportunity to, to worship with your family on this morning. We have a special gift for our guests uh, on the way out. You'll see a table in the back with some little bags there. Uh, those are just for you, no strings attached, uh, just a gift from our heart to yours. I want to say thank you for uh, how you have loved our family church um, through uh, the, the time we've had with the fire. Uh, you've blessed us tremendously. I know you know that. Um, so many people have asked and checked on us and uh, you have, I mean, uh, you have held us up by your prayers and by your words and and uh, everything. And so we just uh, feel that and know it, and don't know where we would be without it. The number one question I've gotten is, uh, did Bookie survive? Uh, do y'all know who Bookie is? Bookie's the little blanket, uh, the little baby blanket I told you about a few weeks ago, and Bookie made it, y'all. He's a uh, he's with us, and so we've got we've got Bookie, and so you can. Um, you can rest easy now. <laughs> Bookie made it. Um, a word of thanks to Kevin for standing in for me last week. Um, I could not turn a corner this week without somebody telling me what an incredible job uh, Kevin did last week. And I hope you know I welcome that. Uh, I tease about it, but I do welcome it. Uh, and listen, we are blessed, aren't we? I mean, to have, uh, to have the, the resources and the leadership that we have on our staff. I just praise God for what he's put here. It shows me something as a pastor. It shows me God has a future here. Uh, there's a mission that he's continuing to invest at our church, at Poplar Springs Baptist Church. And uh, thanks for Kevin for leading last week. And uh, Fletcher Humphreys expressed a desire uh, to preach uh, in my next absence. And so you'll be uh, getting to hear from him. And I think it's going to really bless you. And so um, I just thank the Lord for you guys. We're in the book of Ephesians, the New Testament letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to the churches at Ephesus, the church or churches at Ephesus, a group of people that he loved dearly. And he has uh, spent the first um, part, the first three chapters of Ephesians, uh, just declaring the mighty work of God. I mean, it's been all about theology. It's been all about just, just praising God and in, a, in the grandest terms possible, uh, trying to drive home to the Ephesian believers that they're okay, that they're secure in what Christ has done, that it is enough, not only enough, it is abundant toward them that they can rest in that and they can rest their lives upon it. And so we transition in chapter 4, a very stark transition to all that theology, to all that praise, to all that declaration, to now what do we do with that? How do we live our lives? It becomes very practical. I saw a story in the news this week that I want to share with you that uh, I thought connected with uh, what's happening in God's Word today. 
This has to do with a Popeye's chicken just south of Atlanta. Anybody hear about what happened at Popeye's? Uh, in Augusta, I guess. I guess that might be a little further south than just south. But in Augusta, Georgia, Popeye's chicken. Uh, I'm just going to read this to you right out of the news story. The store's manager told police uh, that a 50-year-old lady named Belinda Miller became angry when she discovered no biscuits with her order and that she then drove her SUV into a restaurant entrance, stopping midway through the dining room, and then she pulled out and drove home. That's the end of that story, right? What, what's, what's, what do we learn from that? What's the lesson there? First of all, those must be some good biscuits, right? <laughs> In fact, I'm going to Augusta after church today. Uh, good biscuits. Uh, and, but the, the real thing I want you to see there is that some things are so good, so good, that they, they mandate, they require, there must be a response, right? In this case, a response that they were deprived of the good thing. But in our case today, in God's word, we're going to look at a, a response based on the goodness of God. Some things are so good, we cannot not act upon those things. And, and the Bible has spent three chapters here telling us, I mean, we could go on and on, deadness to life, aliens to family, I mean, poverty to riches, but we could go on about how good the salvation, the power of God is. And now in verse four, what are we going to do? Are you, are you going to act on the salvation that God has brought us? The message here is some things are so good. They're so good. They demand a response. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a, a copy of God's Word in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. We have those on the back table just for you, and there's no cost to you for those, okay? If you need that, you take it with you. Uh, we want you to have it from our heart to yours. Verse 1, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. I, therefore... The word therefore always points backward to what's already been said. Because of all this goodness of God, therefore, I therefore, this is Paul writing, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, we've seen that phrase before, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. I mean, the word urge, I mean, it's powerful. You must, I mean, come on. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, walk doesn't mean to walk. You know that. It means our days, our moments, our experience. We are to, um, how we live out life, we're, we're to walk this life, to walk these places, to walk these relationships, to walk this world. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Who? one another. This is Christ's church, okay? It's not that we're not supposed to be humble toward the world, gentle toward the world, patient toward the world, bearing toward the world, but this is pointing us specifically to one another. This is how we're to, to showcase the goodness of God, first and foremost, is within the body of Christ. Verse 3, eager, not just do it, but be, be fervent about it, I mean, go for it, uh, be active, be desperate, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of 
peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. The unity is showcased there. If God has made us one, as he has, first chapters one through three, if he has made us one, then we are to live as one, one unified body. And I just want to say one more thing before we go on with the sermon. When it says one baptism here, don't let that hang you up. If you're somebody who, you say, well, I was baptized twice, you know, baptized when I was a kid, but I didn't really understand. And then I got older and I, I, I trusted the Lord. I wanted, I, I felt a, a, an impulse to go to the water again. Am I wrong for being baptized more than one time? No, this is declaring that, that there is one baptism into Jesus Christ. No baptism into somebody else, right? It's the Lord Jesus. And so uh, don't let that bother you as it did me when I was young for a few years. Let's look at what things we can remember to start off on a worthy walk. I want to see three reflections here this morning. The first thing I think we see in this text is a remembrance or that we can remember those who have gone before. You know, the Apostle Paul again emphasizes here that he's in prison, right? He's done that. By my count, this is the third time he's mentioned that. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why is he mentioned to us again that he's in prison? As he urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, he's telling them, hey, I, Paul, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, am urging you to walk worthy of the calling. And there's a few, couple messages here I want you to see. The first is this, if I can do it, you can do it. It's a greater to the lesser argument. If I, suffering greatly, if I in prison uh, held against my will for the very thing God has told me to do, I mean, he's in prison because he said yes to what God told him to do. He's suffering there. If I can do it in my great suffering, then you can do it, Ephesians, out in the world uh, where God has called you to. Yes, it's going to be hard, but it's harder for me. Look at my example. He's showcasing an example for them. If I can do it in prison, you can do it. And the second message is this. This is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Harrison, uh, are you in the room right there? Okay. Um, pray, were you praying? Is that what that was? Okay. Uh, uh, Harrison's in the room. Harrison, I want you to know it's not going to be easy. Others who've made this, uh, gone to these waters recently, it's not going to be easy. I hate to tell you that. And that's not the, uh, the nice thing that a pastor probably should say on a baptism day. Uh, but I want every single person in here to know living as a Christian is not going to be easy who's the one speaking here he's in chains right it's not going to be easy we're we're followers of jesus hear that we are followers of jesus who was hated and who was taken to a cruel cross you know the story we could be very graphic today if we would this is the one we're following. And the Bible tells us that the servant is not greater than the master, the Lord Jesus. Why would we think if they hated him that we're not going to have trouble in this world? And the Bible tells us the words of Jesus, but take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. It's not going to be easy. 
And so be prepared for that. There's a message in this simple phrase that Paul is a prisoner for the Lord. And it reminds me that as we start a worthy walk, it is okay for us to look back and to think of those who have suffered for their faith before us. It's okay to remember our examples. It's okay for us to remember those who began early works in Christian ministry. I brought a picture of our church today. There it is. It doesn't look like our church, does it? This was the original structure of, this is Poplar Springs Baptist Church building in 1874 through 1920. It was built across the road where the cemetery was. Uh, you can tell that the floors probably creaked and the seats were probably not soft, right? It was small. It was rickety. In the wintertime, what do you think? It's probably frigid. In the summertime, it was probably hot. If I had to preach there, I would be just melted up here. You know that. Uh, it's okay for us to remember the guys and the ladies who, 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 when there was no church here, when there was no gospel witness, they got it on their hearts. God laid it there, and they leaned their love and their labor and their lives together uh, to make this a place of worship and witness on this corner for 150 years. Now, it's okay for us to remember that and think, am I walking worthy? Am I walking worthy when I think of Paul in prison, when I think of these men and women who gave who knows what of themselves, man, to start what we're enjoying here today, Christ Place Church, our dear sister church right down the street is a, 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 a big monument to the power of the Lord Jesus, started by, I understand it to be five men who got it on their hearts and said, there needs to be a church here. And they worked together, they gave together, and they talked, and they met, and they labored, and they did it. One of the men, his, his daughter is in our church this good morning. Uh, it's okay for us to look back and think, oh, when I think about my walk, when it's air conditioned, I mean, when I think about my walk, could it be said that I'm walking worthy when Paul is in chains? Am I walking worthy when these men... Gave everything, it's okay to think about our missionaries, those laboring overseas and conditions that are very, very foreign to us. When I was in Uganda with Stan, uh, you should have seen the work these, these ladies and men are doing over there uh, in the dirt of that place. You should have seen the little children who came on a Sunday walking miles, listen, walking miles with very little clothing on, carrying a sibling on their back to get to that place of worship on the village of Eden. And as we were in there that morning getting ready, setting up for worship, praying over the room and getting things ready for worship, you should have seen those little fingertips of those kids from outside pulling up eager. Remember that word, eager, to, to, to come in, to be a part, to feel that safety, that security, that truth, that hope. We can remember those kids when we say, is my walk worthy? I mean, really, is my walk worthy when I remember Paul, when I remember the missionaries, when I remember my godly parents and your godly grandparents? Erica's dad, Butch, was married in, in New York where he was born. Family business was a bar. He worked in the business. Family was Catholic. And uh, got, went to a Baptist meeting one night on Sunday night. By the invitation, I might mention, by the invitation of someone else, we can do that. 
You can bring people to the Lord. By the invitation of someone else, he went to that prayer meeting and he and his wife together got saved. Butch walked to the front of the aisle, did not know that, that, that Kathy had gone. But when he was up there, looked across and there's Kathy praying just the same. They got saved. They left the family business. They abandoned the family faith. That's not popular to do. They uprooted, they moved to Tennessee for Christian education to raise their family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's okay for us to look back and to remember the suffering of others when we say, are we walking worthy? It's okay to remember those who have lived faithfully for Christ before us and under more, under more difficult conditions than us are a good measuring stick for what it means to have a worthy life. Let's remember those who've gone before. But secondly, we remember the calling placed on our lives. We remember the calling placed. The reason given here to, to walk is, 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 are, is your walk, is your life measuring up to the call that's been placed upon your life. And in honesty, all of us would have to say in some sense, no way. I mean, what Christ has done for me is, uh, is unspeakable. I'll never equal to that. But the Bible here is, is saying, is there a connection between the two? Are you walking in a way that is worthy of your calling? And so what is this calling that we're supposed to live equal to? It has to do with all that we've learned in chapters 1 through 3. That we've been called from death to life. You remember the absolute deadness we talked about spiritually? We've been called from death to life. We've been called from strangerhood to sonship. From outside of the cold to inside in the embrace of the only God who has chosen to love us. We've been called from outsider strangerhood to sonship. From absolute destitution, poverty, bankruptcy to being heirs of the riches of his glorious inheritance. Those are the words of God, not my words. That's the calling that's been placed on our lives. Have you gotten over it? When you think about your walk, have you kind of gotten over that? I looked up the, I Googled or whatever, the phrase, I've never gotten over it. Here's some things that came up. Harold Feinstein said, Coney Island was the center of my life. Rides and hot dogs, I've never gotten over it. I guess I might say that about the burger house in East Ridge. You know, it's, it's torn down, but they had a sauce burger. It's amazing and real Coke ices. Coney Island was the center of my life. Rides and hot dogs, I've never gotten over it. Tim Allen, who may be most famous for his television show, what was it? Home Improvement. Um, he's in an interview, says, you know, I, I have these irrational fears. I'm quoting here. I have irrational fears and they all go back to losing my father as a child. I've never gotten over it. Does that echo with you? I mean, is there something in your life you say, oh, the pain. It's, I've never gotten over it. Elvis Presley, this might surprise you. Elvis Presley said, I've never gotten over what they call stage fright. He said every time he went on stage, he felt it. He suffered with it. That's hard to think about, Elvis, Right? I mean, how can you do those moves when you've got stage fright, right? <laughs> Y'all forgive me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, never gotten over it. 
the gospel is something we, ne- we should never get over. <laughs> it's hard to make that transition back. But um, <laughs> the first three chapters of Ephesians, what this is saying, you walk in a manner that is worthy of the magnificence of the lavish love, the unreasonable love. It is not reasonable. It does not make sense to my human mind that the, I know myself. I know my regrets and my sin. I know me through and through. God knows me better, right? And he still loved me. The Bible says greater love has no man than to give his life for his friends. But we were not friends with God. We were the opposite. We were enemies of God when he loved us. And not only loved us, gave his life for us. Listen, we must never get over that. We must always be able to say, if anybody interviews us or talks to us, if our, and, and with the speech of our lives, we must be able to, to put forth, we're walking worthy of that. We've never gotten over what the Lord has done for me and you. We can never do it. Salvation is our victory. God has placed it upon us when we were dead and defeated. And if you want a test to help you know, am I walking worthy, ask to what degree am I living out the roles and the realities that God has pronounced over my life? Walk a worthy walk. But thirdly and lastly, we remember the family he has brought us to. Does it surprise you a little bit that the first thing spoken of about walking a worthy life has to do with within the household of God. I mean, if it was me, I might expect it to be, you know, go on a mission trip, go outward, which is, we should do those things. Give a, give a, give a lot of your money. Uh, we should, you know, we should be generous. Uh, wouldn't you think it would be like, you know, uh, you know, do this and send this and go there? All of those are very important in God's word. But the first thing, the, the, the centerpiece of our witness and example for the gospel is within the household of God. Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you do what? If you love one another, it starts here. We cannot skip this step and be on fire for missions, be on fire for evangelism, uh, be on fire for teaching. If in the household of God, we're not living this out already. It surprises me a little bit. That the witness of, our, of the transforming power of Jesus starts here. And here's what it looks like in God's word. It looks like humility. These are straight from the word of God. And I've got some examples on the screen of what these words mean. Humility. Here's what it means literally in Greek. It means under, it is a compound word. Understanding plus little. It doesn't mean you understand little. It means your understanding of yourself. Your comprehension of yourself is little. You understand yourself to be little among the people of God. The Bible says elsewhere that we are to count each other as more significant than ourselves. No matter what your job, no matter what your retirement, no matter what your background, no matter what your family, no matter what your position in the church, we're, we're, we're to be humble, gentle. That means we, we, we handle each other with gentleness Patience, the, the word patience in Greek is a compound word. It means long plus heat, 
long heat. And what that means is there's going to be times in the church that there's friction. We're human beings and we occupy this flesh and I'm not like you and you're not like me and there's going to be times that the heat builds up, right? And in that, what do we do? We're, it takes us a long time, right? We endure that for a long time with each other. Long heat, we're patient. The world looks in and says, how in the world do they put up with each other in that place? <laughs> They're so different. I mean, can you believe what they, that person said to him and, 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 and how they act? And, and we're together. It's not that we never have conversations. It's not that we never address wrong. We do that under the banner of Scripture, but we are patient with each other. We bear with one another. This is a compound word with three words, up plus hold plus agape. We bear with one another in love. Up, that means when the weight of each other is great, we, we keep holding it up. Our weight probably has been great on you lately through the fire, but uh, there's other times when just the weight of relationships and you know, it gets heavy, but what do we do as Christians? We keep holding each other up, and we do so. We don't just do it mechanically. How do we do it? With love, and of the three biblical words for love here, the highest love is mentioned here, the word agape love, a supernatural love. We bear with one another in love. We have an eagerness to preserve, right, to, or maintain, but preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We don't just do it. We go after it. The unity of the spirit is priority, and, and we, we do what we have to do. We're active in that. Uh, to, to do what? To preserve it. That indicates it's something that could, could, could erode. It could fall away. It could go away. We've got to preserve that. We're active about it, and we maintain a bond of peace here in this place. That's the nature, the character of the church, of the redeemed, of the Lord Jesus. We are different in here. How would it feel to a watching world if there we were out loving everybody and they looked in the, in, into the body of our own place here and they saw conflict and hatred and the division and backbiting and gossip and ugliness? No, that's not for you and for me. My son, Reese, went to a snow party here at the church, children's ministry snow party, earlier this year. It was a great time, a bunch of kids. And when he came home in the car on the way home, I was talking to him and said, well, you know, how'd it go? He said, oh, it's so much fun, Dad. And here's what he said, quoting here. Sorry, Reese. <laughs> he said, the girls were so much fun tonight. <laughs> and then he said, it's almost like they weren't girls. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it great to be a kid? <laughs> Sorry, girls. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but it reminded me of this. Uh, we, in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, that's, that's what we do. We surrender our natures. The, what would naturally come out in the flesh, what, what, what may be you know, very easy for us, <clears throat> we surrender our natures in order to live out the new nature 
among each other in the church of Christ. The, the place of primacy, the foundational first order stage on which the new life in Christ is to be played out is within the household of believers. And that's right here. Are we going to do this perfectly? No. But boy, we ought to be eager to make it right. And so today I want to ask you as we conclude, how does your walk look in all love and affection? I'm asking that of you and of me. How does our walk look? Are there indications in your life that you've just gotten over Jesus? That yeah, that was all real, but you've moved on. I've gotten over it. Is there an easy road that's lured your life away from the faithful standard bearers in our past? Those who, who have suffered and labored our examples. Has easiness and comfort and modernity, has it just drawn you into complacency? And finally, when you look at your character, we talk about humility and gentleness and patience. When you look at your character, is the Holy Spirit producing the fruit of unity or do you find your flesh is leading out in your interactions and in your life? The miracle of our salvation, it deserves a worthy walk. And the Lord has so much more for us to experience when we walk in a manner that is worthy. How is your walk this morning? Would you seek him today? Let me pray for us. In just a moment, I would be delighted to offer you a chance to respond to what we've sang today, what we've heard today, maybe just to a need in your life. If you'd like to come down and pray here at the altar by yourself, it's not an altar as such, it's just a steps and carpet, but it's a place for you to be alone with God and to make a move toward God in a way that's different than normal. And maybe today you know it, you need to do something that's different than normal. You need to get back and seek the Lord. You can come and pray in private here. We'll leave you alone if you want me to pray with you. Or Kevin or Fletcher. Or we'll, be, we'll be down here. We'd love to pray with you, pray over you. We'll be here for that. Maybe today you need to declare your salvation to the people of God. Yes, that may be uncomfortable to stand up here in public. But that what we've just talked about is understanding ourselves to be little. Why don't you come up and tell the church what you've done in your life? Let us know and celebrate with you the salvation God has brought. Maybe you need to go to the waters of baptism. We'll set that up for you. Maybe you need to join the church today. This is not a perfect church. Maybe you've decided to unite here. This is going to be your home. It's going to be your mission field. This is where you're going to do it. Why don't you come and make it official this morning? Lord, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can call you both. That you're the Lord of all, the God of all power. And when in your might, God, you could have just wasted us away because of our transgressions. Instead, you became a father to us. Thank you, God. Thank you. We want to somehow walk in a way that is worthy of the calling. And Father, for each one of us, that means something different right now. Holy Spirit, speak. And I pray that our hearts here in this place would be open, vulnerable, exposed, that we might say, God, the doors are here. Have perfect permission to go into any room of my heart 
And would you find something there that's unacceptable, Lord? Cleanse it out. Bring me to sorrow over it. Father, do it. You've got to come in. Maybe you need to do that today. Lord, I, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would work in us. No more games, God. No more games. We trust you with this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond.